A lot of great college football games coming up uh, this weekend. And, of course, there's one at AT&T Stadium that we all want to talk a little bit about. That's Arkansas and Texas A&M. And we're joined now by Jeff Tarpley from Gigab 247 Sports. Jeff, good afternoon. How are you? Doing great, guys. How are you all doing? Doing terrific. We appreciate the time. So, Jeff, what do we know about Haynes King's injury? Uh, not much beyond he has a fracture in his ankle that was repaired and that he maybe will miss about six more weeks of the season from the time he was, you know, six more weeks from today. Uh, when Nick Starkle, A&M starting quarterback in 2017, went out in the opener that year against UCLA, it was about eight weeks between his injury, and which was very similar, and when he returned to the fold against Mississippi State. So you're looking at about an eight weeks span total, which is about another six weeks or so from uh, today. The Aggies have only given up 17 points through the first three ball games. Is the wrecking crew back for the Ags? Well, one of the players actually said they have kind of a new nickname for the defense, so we'll kind of have to wait and, and see what it is. I think they want to get a little bit deeper into the season before they re- reveal that and continue to have the type of success they've had. But this has definitely been the best A&M defense that we've seen. Uh, not, uh, you know, I would say last year's was, was really, really good. It did have a couple of games against Alabama and Florida where they kind of struggled on the back end and, and gave up and gave up some points. But in terms of national rankings, high SEC rankings, I mean, this is a top two unit in total defense, scoring defense, and passing defense. Remember, A&M has, has kind of struggled during Jimbo Fisher and Mike Elko's tenure in College Station in terms of stopping the pass. But they brought everybody back in the secondary. The pass rush has gotten better. And so as a result, this is a team that has stopped giving up big plays. And they've also just kind of smothered opposing quarterbacks in terms of even being able to get the ball down the field. I think their longest completion uh, so far, at least by the starting five in the secondary, including Nickelback Antonio Johnson, uh, is only about 19 yards. I think I came up some statistics today where I think targets are only they're, they're only completing about 50% of their targets, which is an outstanding figure. Uh, just a little over 100 yards total against the starting secondary. So the unit and the pass rush have combined to make A&M one of the better de- pass defenses in the country. Jeff, what is uh, what is Jimbo Fisher saying about uh, K.J. Jefferson, the uh, the Arkansas quarterback? Well, he's a big guy. He knows he's, he's hard to bring down. Uh, he's 245 pounds. He's, he's got an arm, so he's going to be able to get the ball down the field. I, I think – from Fisher's standpoint, what he wants to do is, is limit the big plays on the back end of his defense, which he's been very, very successful at doing. I think he wants to get Arkansas in those long yard situations, make him more of a drop back passer than a guy who facilitates the offense via the RPOs that Arkansas tends to use. If A&M can do that and, and get them into those long yarded situations, then Jefferson, who's again his forte is is you know handing the ball off, getting big chunk plays off of play action. Then you 
kind of default him into a, into doing things that he might not be as comfortable doing. And if A&M can do that, they certainly ratchet up their chances of winning on Saturday. Coach Fisher said after the game last week that his team needed to be more physical. What did he mean by that? So the, they've, they've struggled the last two weeks in, in, to an extent in the running game, less so against New Mexico, more so against Colorado. In terms of the offensive line coming off the football, uh, just you know, targeting the right people, making contact, and then most importantly, sustaining contact. And you tend to make contact and sustain it when you have confidence that, hey, I'm going to be blocking the right guy and I'm taking him where I want him to go. A&M, they've got all these new guys up front. Uh, It's taking time for them not just to perfect their, their, their craft from an individual standpoint, but also work together. Last year's unit was a veteran group. Uh, they were turn- all five guys had previous starting experience. They also gelled very quickly in terms of knowing what the knowing the people in front of them, the schemes they were going against, and what the guys next to them were able to do. This year's unit is still feeling their way. As they get more experience, they'll get more confident and they'll become a more physical unit. Now, whether that starts, you know, they've kind of been on and off, so whether that they start being more consistent in that regard this weekend, a few weeks down the road, it's really hard to say at this point. Jeff, this is a uh, this is a neutral side game. They're going to play at AT&T like they always do. D- d- this year, does that favor either one of these clubs, or, or is it truly going to be a neutral site? I think it's going to be pretty much a neutral site battle. Arkansas is probably going to travel. Uh, better than it has been in recent years because they have a much better football team. This is the best team they will have had since the 2014 and and 2015 outfits that went to bowl games. They certainly feel like they have a lot to play for. They're ranked 16th in the country. Uh, A&M fans will be there in in force as well, but this is going to be very much a split crowd. From that standpoint, A&M's already had that kind of an atmosphere. Arkansas's played all of its three games at home. So as a result, Arkansas's going to have to make a little bit of an adjustment probably. They may go into one end of the field at one point when the crowd noise, they're going into where the A&M fans are. That could be a factor. If they're wanting the crowd to get behind them, get them amped up when their energy's flagging, maybe things aren't going too well, uh, they're, they're not going to have, you know, all 65, 70,000 people there that they're, that they're used to seeing. So they're going to have a little bit of an adjustment to make as opposed to the A&M. It's going to be interesting to see if that crowd do, does tend to favor one side or the other in terms of the quality of play, in terms of communication, energy levels, that kind of thing. How important is it, do you think, for this offense to get off to a good start and, and maybe some easy throws early, some good high percentage completion passes, and just get in a rhythm for this offense? Is that important in this game early because of the neutral site? I think it's important because Zach Calzada, A&M's new, new starter, is, is still developing his craft. He's a guy that Jimbo Fisher really relied on him 
a lot against Colorado. He threw the ball 38 times. They actually called, I think, given all the times he, he, he took off with it, they actually called close to 45 passes. So they really relied on him probably more than what they should have, and Fisher kind of admitted that after the game. Last week, although, he did hit a long one uh, to Mon- DeMond Demas uh, early on, a and second possession that helped give him 14-0 lead. He also gave him some easy throws to start the game, kind of let him get some confidence, get into a rhythm. And as a result, when it came time for him to get the ball further down the field, to hit some of those intermediate and long routes, and especially the one to Demas, he was able to do that. So I think more so from the standpoint that he wants to help Zach Calzada, the quarterback, as opposed to the you know mitigate any factors regarding nervousness of the offense, that kind of thing. I think he's going to be out to help Zach Calzada more than he is any have any other objective going into this one. Last time I checked, it was uh, the Aggies by five and a half. Is this a one touchdown game in your opinion? Probably so. It's probably, you know, I think it's uh, in Arlington at least. Uh, it's been a double digit win for one team just twice. Uh, and, and for A&M, they've won multiple games actually by two scores. It doesn't seem like it because you, you tend to remember the close ones. Uh, but last year, they, they had the game put away pretty much by the third quarter. Uh, 2012 and 2013 with Johnny Manziel. Uh, they decisively defeated Arkansas. Uh, in 2016, uh, they used a goal line stand in the third quarter and turned around and kind of ran away with that one too. But in those games, A&M was either playing at home or they had a Heisman tro- Trophy caliber winning quarterback or a, a senior quarterback, Trevor Knight in 2016, Kellen Mon last season. So I think this year it, everything kind of – settles back toward this being a tightly contested, more of a defensive battle for both squads. I think that still favors A&M, but I also believe that, yeah, you're going to get a one-score game again like we're used to seeing. Jeff, what are you working on for uh, Gigum right now? Well, <laughs> I've, I've done a podcast for our Arkansas site on hogsports.com. Already uh, had a couple of articles go up, not just a, a look my write-up for the Arkansas side in terms of their questions to, for me, but uh, also I've had Trey Biddy, the uh, publisher with the Arkansas side, he's he's answered some questions I've had for him. Actually, like I said, Hawk Sports Live, his podcast, uh, Trey's podcast, and I have another radio appearance after that, and I can tell how big the game is every week. Uh, how many rate, how how many times I've asked to go on the air, and this one's <laughs> one, this one's been a busy day so uh it's going to be a great one looking forward to it jeff thanks appreciate your time today thanks guys see you later